You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. of doom giant monsters part two, two. Part two. two. <laughs> uh, we have a lot more movies to tell you about so many joining us again is matt frank oh my god where Hello. is he, he owes me five bucks um oh yeah that's me <laughs> that's you. Yeah. you all right owe cool you matt five bucks i owe myself a lot of money parallel universe matt frank no yes. i, I okay. totally had to bribe him to be on the show guys <laughs> yeah that's how it went down it wasn't chris <laughs> opening his mouth and when he probably shouldn't have it's true i knew even as i was typing the words into my phone this is a mistake <laughs> <laughs> I know how you really feel. <laughs> no, I'm uh, kidding. No, I know. no, we love having you on the show. Absolutely, especially since we're doing giant monsters, and which you are the—I mean—the foremost expert on. Yeah, well, in the, country, I know people who would specifically take issue with that. All right, but, the foremost uh, expert of people that we know. Oh no, I'm not saying they're right. I'm just, right. Saying, uh, I'm just saying they take issue with it. You're uh, definitely the expert in this room. I appreciate that. Thank uh, you. But we are—we uh, have a bunch of movies to talk about, and the Doom Crew Patrol is here. I'm Chris. Patience. Alan. And Nick. And off in the corner is Shotlos, our Shotlos. official helper. Shotlos, who has not been doing his job very well tonight. Well, in the first episode of the series, we talked about not a giant monster movie, but a new film, The Field Guide to Evil, where we give a brief review of that. And then we talked about Alligator from 1980. Which uh, I was the lone person. The lone opinion. Yeah, I did not like it. Fair Everyone enough. else loved it. And then we talked about 1988's remake of The Blob. Which we all love. Which we all throw right. The patients thinks Phantoms might be better. I do. <laughs> Putting it out there. Sorry, okay? Patience. Dude, Affleck is so dreamy. Patients, oh, Phantoms a was a bomb, yo. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're starting off this episode talking about the adaptation of Stephen King's novella, The Mist, mm. which certainly went through several almost try, almost happened development hell things for years. Multiple people took a crack at this, but Frank Darabont was the guy who wrote The Blob, the previous one we talked about, but he sure. was the guy who was like, God damn it, I am going to be the guy to make this fucking movie. In fact, his very controversial added ending to this, which Stephen King loved for the record, was very Great. loud about how much he loved what he did with it, but yet a lot of fans weren't as crazy with that was written that was the first thing he wrote of this whole script and i can speak from experience that general audiences fucking hated it yeah. <laughs> cuz i remember being in the movie theater and people being like what the fuck i almost be that? hearing like fuck that it's such like a jarringly depressing sad ending he was, he was so determined to have this ending mm. that he actually took made the film for half the budget he could have gotten and he deferred his entire salary in order to Ooh, get this baby, animal. that's dedication. What shit? I've just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling personally attacked now because I've done that so many times in my career as an artist. They're like, I want you don't even have to pay me. I'll just do this. Uh, God damn it! So many covers. Uh, I will say that ending before we get too far into the movie is 
the thing that sort of saves this movie for me. I don't love, love this oh movie. Oh, my God, Alan, I absolutely I can't do not talk like there's, there's, there's a lot about this movie I like. I think there's a lot of sequences that are incredible. Actually, most of the sequences are incredible. But there's some rant, like some writing in here, some line deliveries that is very after school specialty about some shit. And it's very corny, but there are sequences that are like top notch, and the ending pushes it over the edge into me like being down. <coughs> there's also some artifacts from earlier versions here. Like, for instance, in the original novella, uh, the main character that Thomas Jane plays here was, in fact, having a, uh, uh, extramarital affair with another character played here. Amanda Dumfries, played by Laurie Holden, who, like several other actors in here, is from The Walking Dead. There's, there's like Andrew. five actors from The yeah, Walking Dead in We also got a blob layover, um, with the, um, how, the yeah. guy who first runs in. It's like something in the oh, mist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, nice. I was yeah. gonna say, this is one of those, this is like, like the blob and like, like most of the movies on our on our list, uh, it's definitely a film populated with character actors, and oh, yeah. I feel like when you have a monster movie, uh, character actors are kind of the way to go. Oh, absolutely, because when you, when you when you do stunt casting, it, or you try to get like I'm going to have a big name star, I, I've got. I mean, and sometimes it works out. Like, I still think that um, the Rock uh, Rampage is delightful. But no, uh, I'm with you on that. It's what you need that for that I, type of dumb movie. You need sure. that type of dumb big movie star. Right. But here, like Tom Jane is like just enough of a leading man, but yeah. also it kind of blends into the rest of these he's characters. Like a, he's, yeah. I think Thomas Jane plays a great leading man, but he's an actor who's always been in mid-level movies. Yeah. He's so in he's movie. end up being a great leading man in a lot of C films. Yeah. You I know? Think, well, I, I mean... Think, oh, go ahead, Nick. You yeah, first. Okay. So, speaking of character actors, one of the things that I noticed about this movie that I, I absolutely love, but it also made me laugh the whole way through, is Toby Jones. Oh, yeah. He's like the... The cashier. At Maybe the, the store. only time I've ever remembered Toby Jones playing a completely sweet character. Yeah. And like, <laughs> this guy is such a madman of a badass of an actor yeah. that, like, he's, he's just like this little schlubby, like, grocery store cashier guy. But every line he delivers, like, whenever someone doubts him, I'm like, but listen to him. Like, obviously, he's telling the truth. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I love that his character is the one, like, the least likely character who's like, yeah, I'm kind of a badass with a weapon. <laughs> that, that was a nice little little curveball. I have to say, like, one of the things that honestly kept me from watching this for a long time was uh, I could see where they were going with um, Marcia. How, how's what's her last name? Harden. Yeah, Marcia Gay. Marcia Gay Harden. Yeah. Uh, didn't she end up winning an Oscar for something? I feel I, like she did. I think so. I just yeah. I, it, it, the thing Not was the is that her character, <laughs> that kind of character, gives me so much agita. Where I'm just like, I'm like, oh man, I just, that's why, of course, what happens is so satisfying when it finally happens. Well, and, and actually, I was going to talk about her character in particular because it's so fucked up. And I she leans so hard into and it. And she's so good at it, but I mean, I was, that was probably the most unsettling and most uncomfortable part of this whole entire movie well, is her like religious vitriol. See, much yeah. like The Walking Dead, which Darabont launched, although was fired from after one season, still yeah. very controversial. Um, 
this is in tone very similar to zombie type stuff where oh, it's sure. about the monsters aren't the problem. It's the humans that are the problem. I'm just thinking about that Futurama line. It turns out it's man. Which is, of course, Jeff and I argue about that all the time over at Rage Life. It's like, he's just like, ooh, the real monster is man. It's like, yeah. But I love that Marsha Gay, Har- Gay Harden in this. I love that it really does go to a point where like she is more scary than the monsters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then she just so satisfied Finally gets taken out yeah. by another human. And speaking of the monsters, they were also spe- also speaking of Walking Dead. They were designed by Greg Nicotero. Yeah. So um, they're well, they're beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he's super nice. Okay, yeah. go ahead and start bragging some more. <laughs> okay. well, Can I just drop these names? Dro- yeah. Oh, so who, you know Greg Nicotero? Okay. I met Tom Savini once too, but I was young. <sighs> I was actually. Really I, it's okay. I have, oh, I have a giant list of Godzilla actors and technicians that I've met, and uh, but the problem is the only I'm the only one in the room who cares. So uh, <laughs> that is accurate. But this is such a great cast. I mean, uh, even Thomas said, Jane, uh, who Thomas is, Jane, who I really genuinely like. I Thomas love Jane. Thomas Jane, but I just think he is so crazy that he gets uh, he doesn't get selected for a lot of movies. But a lot of these people are people you know them, you just don't know them by name. Like many characters. A lot of that guys and that girl. Yeah, William, yeah. William, William Sadler, Jeffrey DeMunn, Francis Sternhagen, uh, Alexa Davalos, Nathan Gamble, Chris Owens, Stim, Sam Whitmer. You, the moment you see these characters, Melissa you're like, oh, I, I recognize these people. You know, yeah, and, eight and then from The Walking Dead. And then Andre Brower, who of course is on now on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah, uh, as the police chief. I remember when I saw him, I, I shrieked him. because I I know him from Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then I saw this movie. I'm like, <laughs> he was uh, like uh, on Homicide. I remember back in the day. Yeah, he was Great on Homicide show. Life on the Street. Uh, and he's one of the only things that that really bugged me about this movie, only because. There is so much setup for his character to have an arc. Yeah. And then he has no arc. He just goes, well, fuck you guys. I'm leaving. And he leaves. And we never know what happens to him at all. And that's it. He's never even yeah, mentioned he, I, way. I wonder how much of that is purposeful. This There's a lot like, of stuff. Like, like, yeah. Like, we don't know. Like, like, we knew the one guy gets fucked up and the rest of the people ran off. Like, who it, knows? I, it is unsatisfying for like us not to be like, oh, He's like from a character and narrative perspective, yeah. exactly. Well, I, I feel like it's a. I feel like it's another little bit of a. Like the best monster movies kind of tend to have bait and switches like that, where it's just kind of like, oh, you thought this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. I find but, uh, I find really interesting the multiple interpretations you can come away with at the end. I mean, first off, another actress from uh, the The Walking Dead. I'm blanking on her name right now. Carol, who plays Carol on the Short Walking Dead? Melissa McBride. Melissa McBride. Like she's the first person to go. No, I have my kids. I've got to leave and you it's so early you just presume she's dead and then when like we see that like like that she actually survived and her kids you're like oh Ugh. fuck like what is it like so you guys actually might have made it if you had just set so out but the, yeah and oh. even weirder that okay. whole thing like it's to fun. think about that like kills like the character of Marsha Gay Harding is saying the only way we'll survive this is if you sacrifice these characters and then they technically do Thomas Jane shoots them in the head and he survives. And you're like, yeah. wow, Marsha Gay Harden was in one interpretation correct. But they were also <laughs> would have been fine if they just shot her in the head and stayed in the store. True. Right. Yeah, they just <laughs> yeah. waited in the store. Everything yeah. would have been fine. That's what the ending is one of those, like, this movie haunts you for a while because you can't stop thinking about it's shit the, like It's that. the best part of the movie is the fact that, like, he murders his 
own child and these three other that's people. That's the best part, is it? And, well, like, I mean, because it's super, it but it it's the one part of the movie that's like, it goes above, like, other movies like this or, like, everything else. In the it movie, rises above its stage. When they're, when they're talking about, like, the stuff I don't like is movie when they're like, oh, why do you think we invented religion and politics? It's all people. Like, all that shit is so heavy handed and, like, eye rolling to me. It's it is like, a little blunt. We get it. But the ending is so brutally depressing and fucked up that it's like, I did not see it coming when I first saw it. Every time I watch it, I'm hoping that it's somehow different. Like, every time I was like, ah, I wonder if this time he won't kill it. Is one of those, it's like, just so heavy. And it's so heavy. That you're like, I, I, maybe, yeah, maybe this is the, the one, the lost copy yeah. where that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's- <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Stephen King super fan, and I feel like there's only two directors that have successfully touched Stephen King movies and I'm not including Stephen King in this with uh. Maximum Overdrive, but <laughs> I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. I, I mean, Frank Darabont is definitely like he's a little bit obsessed with Stephen. He, King. He's a Stephen King super fan, and more he's than done Shawshank Redemption. He's done The Green Mile. Yeah, um, and you know he did The Mist, but also Mike Flanagan, who has recently jumped on the Stephen King train. He did 19. 19- he did not do 1922, no. but he did Gerald's Game. Yeah, and which then was, he has a, another one coming out yeah, soon. I forget which one I it was. I can't. It's uh, Stephen King. Uh, it's I, Stephen King heyday. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, exactly. Stephen King, King is King writing. Up He's got another right one that's like one of those like Gerald's Game where I was like, "Are you sure that seems tough?" That seems weird. Uh, but he nailed uh, Gerald's he Game. Nailed, so. and fucking and I like didn't Tommy think Anybody could nail no, Gerald's Game. I didn't. I mean, I was blown away by the fact that anybody could pull that off because it's one of King's worst books. <laughs> well, that in like Tommyknockers, yeah. but um, yeah. So it, I just think Frank Darabont rewriting the ending was such a good choice. Oh yeah, I agree so with what, the rewriting of the ending, but I think Frank Darabont, as with his Stephen King work, has just gotten worse with each movie. Shawshank Redemption, really? pretty solid. It's, a, it's kind of a Green Mile. Not as good as Shawshank, it's but much shallower, and it's got like a bunch of sort of like tropes and stuff that I don't really care for that aren't examined enough. And the mist, and I'm gonna be bucking the trend here. I did not like at all. Oh, really, this my is God. the blandest. Someone needs to get a ride <laughs> like, the, my favorite part about it was really Toby Jones that I was talking about. I mean, there's a part, I put my notes, like, uh, nearing the third act, there's a bit where all the characters sit around and discuss the themes of the movie, just, like, out loud, overtly talking about the themes yeah. of the movie. That is like, one of the weaker aspects. not good writing. I was the dialogue of, is rough. I was reminded of the, because um, we reviewed, uh, uh, Chris, Zach, and I reviewed Love, Death, and Robots uh, earlier in the week. And, um, last week, whatever, whenever this comes out. And, uh, uh, I was reminded of how much I liked the first episode, uh, Sunny's Edge, which is like, I've been describing it as lesbian kaiju battle arena. But, um, they had to front- I still like edgy Pokemon. (laughs) That that works too. And it's, it's really fun and it's the kind of thing that I love all the world building and everything that goes into it. The problem was, was that- they front-loaded it with this monologue about, essentially, this rape-revenge subplot, and it just feels like it drags the whole thing down, and it's like, it, it takes you out of the of the fun of watching it, instead of just leaving it as subtext for you to glean from the acting and the dialogue and the character I think choices. you're dead on about that episode, and you're comparing it to this movie. It's the thing that takes... 
it takes some of the weight out of the movie. It's like goes back to what I was talking about, like trusting your audience, no matter what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Like it would be so much better if more of that was shown and that literally explicitly told. I don't want to get into like because there is a lot of cool shit in this movie. The creatures are incredible. Yeah. The the, the set pieces are really incredible too. Like the stuff back in the dock. Can I say in uh, the pharmacy? One of my favorite artists of all time in comics, Bernie Wrightson, who just sadly Talking died Bernie. this past year. He's an astonishing artist. Uh, he designed a lot of the creatures, including specifically the giant monster at okay. the very end. Was he the genius? I mean, this completely, truly, the genius who decided the scariest thing a monster could have is human teeth. Because <laughs> oh, with yeah. those spiders with human okay. teeth are oh, yeah. so unsettling, it's man. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen is a spider with a human mouth. I actually it's so weird. a question for Nick. How much of it is Stephen King's writing versus Frank Darabont's directing? Well, I feel like that's a really good question. I don't know because I've not read The Mist. Okay. So I can't compare them directly, but I've read it. Enough other Stephen King stuff that I know Stephen King's he, writing. He is gets flawed. really wordy, yeah. Yep. And he he gets hung up on endings in particular, which Frank Darabont, we all agree, kind of fixed in this one, made yeah. like an wider, oh. more interesting. Uh, although interestingly, like he gets so much credit from people who like the, his ending, and he constantly goes, "Dude, read the novella." Uh, even King was like giving me too much credit. He sets up everything that I do in the this novella. He's like, it happen. ends with him, re- the car running out of gas and him looking at a gun with only four bullets in it and, and there are five people. It's You're a like, natural next yeah, step. He just, yeah. he just took it to its natural conclusion. You but know? I, well, I think the further step though that most people are talking about is that the military was right there. Right. They were just about to be rescued. Right. That yeah, wasn't that implied. Was the part that right. was fucked up. I feel like that ending, of course, works better for the novella because something about it just feels so much more subtle and understated and something that's just your brain. Because the, the advantage of reading something as opposed to watching something is your brain fills in the blanks. I mean, and that's not to say that watching something doesn't do that. I uh, can't do that as well. But, I mean, that's, that's what a lot of this movie is. Um but that being said, uh, I did want to mention about how I appreciated this movie doing Lovecraftian horror in a way that is rarely done well on screen. It's not; it doesn't super lean into that uh, that whole like if you see something you go mad sort of thing. No, but it's more like it is that fear of the unknown. Like we're not really super sure where these things came from or what they are. Yeah, and well, like in the scariest sequences in the movie are. The beginning when the alarms are going off, and um, I forgot the character's name, but he's running in with the bloody nose, and yeah. he just erupts into things. Is something in the mist? And everyone gets just like tense, and they shut the doors, and there's screams in the background. Yeah. That, that, and then the guy going out with the rope tied around his waist are the two scariest sequences in the movie. Imagine yeah, if they no, did, a, and it's no monsters. Imagine if they did see. a musical remake of that. That would be the first song. <laughs> <laughs> something something in the mist. <laughs> but the sequence when the guy's going with the rope and it. Falls limp and then goes and goes. Yeah, and, and, and then, then rides it, and then it when it. I love it goes way when it goes up way up. Like that, was that is really a good. A good it's moment. a great, yeah, great, well constructed sequence. And it's the stuff with like no monsters. No, it's just all off screen. It's all like, what could that be? And are that's the two best things. One of my biggest problems with the movie is because I totally agree. I think those are the best sequences when we actually see the monsters and their CG tentacles or their big bugs or they're a very big bug that apparently. If you're inside the car, you're still safe from. 
And then, the, and then the okay, bigger so bugs were coming after the fair. smaller bugs. It's just like when we were outside and the bugs were slapping into our faces yeah, out no, there. I, like, what? Matt Frank literally saved me from a June bug right now. You have no idea. But I have, I have a, did, did, did everyone watch the black and white version or the color well, version? I watched the black and white version. I've seen both. I will say the effects are helped greatly by the black and white. I can see that. That makes sense. intended it to be He wanted it released black and white. And the monster effects look really good black and white. There's a lot of the moves, the back storage room scene plays way better oh, in black and white. I do want to discuss that for it's just one effects thing that I was very impressed by that they said was incredibly hard to figure out how to do. They had to do it by extreme temperature changes, huh. which is when they're raising the garage door in the back and the fog is super thick, but uh, it won't, won't come, come in. in. Yeah. And I was like, how did they do yeah, that? One of those like yeah. odd things you're like, that's strange. It should be rolling. Because we're not familiar. Yeah. Like, that's like, there's something deeply un- yeah. weird and uns. It's, unnatural about that, but you can't even put your finger on it. And it's like, yeah, they had to make like one room boiling hot and the other room super cold to make that cool. That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And like, that kind of goes into the stuff I do like about this movie is like some of the craft involved with it. And like when I was talking about like almost every sequence individually works, the dialogue I have a lot of issues with and a lot of the writing. But like what the scenes are set up to do and what they accomplish individually, like as little vignettes, like here's this short, scary thing about a guy running through a store or a guy trying to go into a scary mist or then trying to open a dock. Like every single sequence really works. It's just as a whole and what the themes are and the fact that they're explained to you kind of bummed me out by like, it's just stuff that bummed me out, even though there's a lot that I loved and I've loved this movie for a while. It wasn't until this rewatch where I was like, this isn't working for me this time around. Something's like not, not weird. I, I like this movie I more this movie. on this rewatch yeah. than I yeah. did the first yeah. time. I feel like maybe like to some degree I was definitely being a little hard on some of the tentacle effects when I first saw this because there's the wonky CG <laughs> for the hard time. on the tentacles. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead. Once again, college. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I remember moments like, okay, and a lot of the dialogue stuff you're talking about, like, okay, they're telling us rather than, that has a very TV feel. Yes, but good. that being said, TV is something I've become much more invested in over the years as it's gotten a lot better. And it felt more natural to me now, probably because of that. I was like, oh, okay, this is certainly better than the TV adaptation of The Mist, which was very I, misguided. I forgot that that came and went. Yeah. yeah. I actually, yeah. I, I watched the whole entire first season. I was or, really, there was only one season. I was really into it for three episodes, and then it yeah. just started doing the stupidest fucking shit. Like, one I, dumb was, thing after yeah. another. And I mean, I it up. did that whole thing. But I did watch the whole entire season. I liked it. I was sad that it didn't get renewed. Um, but I mean, as the <coughs> diehard Stephen King fan, this is my favorite Stephen King movie. Well, you're that over, the wow. shining? over the shining. Over the shining. Well, I don't count that as a Stephen King movie. That's oh, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Somewhere Oliver Stone's like yeah. Stanley, Stanley, <laughs> Stanley Stonerick. Stanley Stanley Stonerick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. Stephen King loves to say that, but I've read the book and seen the movie umpteen times, and I'm, I'm like, there's like very the few differences between the two. I think it was a couple core like character things that happen different. 
relate, but I'm anyway. like, they, on the whole, there's super much. It's definitely a Stephen King adaptation. I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't love The Shining, and I don't think it's not a Stephen King movie, but I do like The Mist better. Uh, I mean, what can you do? Uh, I, so a couple Phantoms parts. is better than The Blob. Phantoms the Mist is, is better than The Shining. Yeah. You know what's better beautiful? Than shining. Everybody's got their own opinion. Write me yeah. some hate mail at yeah, some Chris of them are wrong, but we all have. So a couple little notes right in the beginning. David Thomas Jane is paint. He's a painter for Hollywood movies, which all the paintings in his room were done by famous, amazing artist Drew Struzan. Hell yeah! Uh, in fact, if you look around, it's like his painting for the right? thing, yeah, right. yeah. you know, a bunch of famous ones. But the one he's working on is one. Man, I would like. I'm not even the world's biggest fan of the Gunslinger, but it's yeah, really fucking cool. Obviously, for the the Gunslinger for the Dark Tower, I was like, damn, that's amazing. That's my least favorite Stephen King movie. Uh, Greg Nicotero, I think you pointed out, did a lot. A lot of the the design and makeup effects here as well, uh, which is you know obviously he turned into he basically is the past the torch guy from Tom Savini. He's like he's the guy you like. Savini was like I kind of trained this guy as a kid, and now he's Can kind I of just taking over. Say really quick that he's producing the Creep Show, the new Creep Show yes, series, indeed. and I'm super fucking excited about it. And yes. also, the little final note: Darebont tried really hard. To get Thomas Jane to play Rick Grimes when The Walking yep. Dead started, oh, he yeah. was the, he was he, he tried him. really hard to get him, and Jane did yeah. not want to do it. So it's probably well, smart. Thomas so, Jane yeah. would have been, been terrible to have like ten seasons worth of yeah. But just when is as often as Atlanta forever and ever. <laughs> Tom Jane is that time for that. He would have had to wear shoes. And <laughs> yeah. The best Tom Jane performance ever is in Arrest Development season two. I think. Do you remember that? He's no. playing like a home. He's like playing himself, playing a homeless guy to research a role. Oh, <laughs> he falls in love with. <laughs> he's incredible in that. He's like has like a two episode arc. He's so funny. Go back it? and watch it. I feel like I just saw something where it was like the girl on Saturday Night Live, where the girl's like adopts the the homeless guy. He's like, oh, I'm gonna take care of you, and he's like, no, and like you just spent all this money. He's like. I'm an actor. I'm researching a role. <laughs> Thanks. That's essentially the Arrested Development joke. It's really Very good. Cool. All right, so let's move on to our next film, which is Finally. the host. Oh, the the the, the uh, romantic sci-fi film oh, by uh, the the writer No, this that was the 2013 <laughs> film. This is the twenty sorry, shit. 2006 <laughs> South Korean monster film directed by the legendary now Bong Joon Ho, who did Snowpiercer and Okja on Netflix yeah. as well. And did he, he's also did, a big and did Snowpiercer. In Memories and of Murder is that him? That's him as well. God damn, this guy's incredible. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And the host is just a gosh darn masterpiece. It's, the host is like, as I was saying to, to Matt, because when we were we were kind of not really arguing but disagreeing in our text. I was trying not to turn it into an argument. I was like, <laughs> we're, we're not we're doing giant monsters in our archive. Films and he's like a lot of these are kaiju films. I'm like, are they though? And and I, you know, we're go- well. That's because the I bow to a, his. That's because. Of, sorry, so uh, I bow to your your superior knowledge of what that is. But I meant ultimately, which I finally came around in my head. I mean, movies that are definitely more influenced by American film than they are by Japanese film. Well, the uh, yeah, uh, and the host, even though it's South Korean. Is really influenced Very by American Hollywood. films, and, and that's what I was saying when we started. Was that all these films are reactionary, specifically to other films? Um, the host is a South Korean film made and shot and edited like a Hollywood film. Mm-hmm. Um, Alligator is a reaction to Jaws. Uh, the uh, 
Blob. The, the, the Blob is a remake. Uh, the Mist is itself... An adaptation. It's an adaptation, but it's also, like, in a Maybe. lot of ways, a throwback with the Rip intent... Of fog or with something. The intent, <laughs> well, the intent of it being filmed in black and white, for example. Uh, it, it, I mean, it, and the thing is about the term kaiju is so nebulous that the, the phrase I usually use is all kaiju are monsters, not all monsters are kaiju. And uh, with the host, this is much more in line, I would say it hues more towards something like Jaws or Alligator than it is something like Godzilla. Although, at the same time, it also taps into more of that societal malaise that is more akin to something from a kaiju movie because it has this running plot of being fucked over by your government. And it is decidedly... Anti-United States and capitalism. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, firmly to the point where it was one of the but... first films ever that the, from South Korea that the North Korean government called out as true art and, <laughs> and saying everyone well, should see this movie. It's one of the most interesting things about this movie is how influenced it is by American movie and like Hollywood, yep. but also still how much culturally it is South Korean. Oh, like Because yeah. that friction of those two like sensibilities make this like a really unique movie because it doesn't really feel like an American movie, although there's enough in it that it's familiar enough for American audiences to like follow it. It's not a total cultural dis- departure, but there's so much of like South Korea in it, at least I'm assuming because I don't know South Korean culture super well, but I know it's decidedly not American, that it's a incredibly entertaining and interesting throughout. Uh, one of the things that I think you can see that makes it very apparently not American, like, so it like you said, it emulates American stuff, but one of the differences is the really sudden shifts between humor and pathos. Oh, yeah. And, like, they're yeah. so dramatic and so abrupt that it, it's... A, on first viewing, it might be a little bit off-putting. A little it's, jarring it's, at points, but, but not in also, a bad way. No, in a great way. And on rewatching, it gets better and better, in my opinion. But I feel like that's more common amongst uh, uh, Asian film just in general, but, like, I'm sure Korean and... No, I, I do want to point out how, like, this movie has aged very well, if for no other reason that, like, as someone who's a huge fan of South Korean film, everyone in here went on to much bigger and better and prominent things. Like, literally every actor in this either was already huge or went on to be really huge. Like, the lead character of the kind of loser, slacker son, uh, Park well, Gang Doo. he's partially, like, like uh, disabled. At least yeah. that's the implication. <laughs> but played by Song Kang yeah. Ho was in the, the amazing, if you've never seen number three joint security area, it's amazing. Uh, Snowpiercer, Memories of Murder, and most recently won a bunch of awards for his performance in A Taxi Driver, which is fucking great. Uh, the father, Hee Bong, played by Byung Hee Bong, was in Memories of Murder and Okja. The, uh, the the daughter who's kidnapped by the monster, Hyung Seo, was played by Go Ah Sung, who was in Snowpiercer, played one of the lead roles in Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the archer daughter, the one who was like, 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 like <laughs> shoots arrows, Nam Ju, is played by Bay Dona, who's become an inter- international superstar. She was originally in Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, which is I can't even tell you how amazing it is. She was in Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and was one of the main characters in Sense Eight. So there's a lot of like like major name actors going on here. In addition, of course, to you know the monster itself being modeled and designed by Weta. Weta Workshop, yeah. And I mean, and again, that's why it kind of has that Hollywood feel to it because it doesn't look like. 
Generally, um, in Asian in Asian movies, uh, and their monsters tend to be a little more, a little broader, broadly designed, and a little more cartoonish. Even they're designed to look cool or cute or uh, uh, appealing visually in some way. Or unless they, unless it's like something that's, that's specifically a horror movie and it just looks completely repulsive. There's a different cut of this where at one point the monster stops and actually talks to them, and he's like. Yeah, this monster is much ha- more organic, like it, animal. It like, feels like, like real, well, it's like an amphibian. It's very amphibian looking, and it kind of has that thing. It has a little detail I really love, which that that is a real thing that happens. Uh, where in the wild, a lot of amphibians, a lot of frogs and salamanders are being born with extra little fins and legs. These useless little vestigial legs, and it's got those on its backside. And again, it's a very Western looking monster, uh, but it has, but it's like no, like nothing you've really ever seen before, which adds to the unique flavor of this. Well, film. They did this super neat thing with the monster's behavior, with the way it uses its tail in a sort of like trapeze act performer way of getting around. Yeah, that's really we've never seen anything like it. It's, right. it's One of- distressing when you realize, start realizing this thing can come from anywhere. It can come from real fast from under the it water. Like it can move fast on land. Yeah. Yeah. It can come from above you, like way above you. Y'all are gonna <laughs> hate our- me right oh. now. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, I'm sorry, patience. No, but uh, one it. of our first uh, appearances of the monster, like. It's hanging underneath the bridge, and it's still, and people are, like, taking pictures and being like, what is this thing? What, you know? Like, it's just hanging there. Yeah. And it drops in the water. And that's, that's a non-monster, but a very animal sort of thing to do. Right. Just yeah. living in oh, the man. environment. And, and then moving. Yeah. And everyone. I'm glad you brought that up, because this is the thing that, like, when I first saw this movie, immediately set it apart from most monster movies I've seen. Like, foreign movies, it's, like, such just a balls-out moment it's like your first reveal of the monster is in the first act in daylight up and out for everyone to see. There's not like this slow build, which is usually I, I enjoy some patience in a movie. Like I really love it. But the fact that it's just like, fuck it. This is like a natural disaster. And this is the strike of it. Yeah. And the CGI holds up surprisingly. Yeah, it looks really it's good. It's not a bad looking movie. And like, and, and straight from the bat, just to be like, though, this is out and it's the chaos has started and it's daylight and it's killing people and it's running around and it's just like a wild animal on the loose. Is such an incredible, like, and brave and bold thing to do, dude. In 2008 South Korean film, 2006. this 2006, and this monster looks better in bright daylight than a lot of American movie monsters around the same period of time. Yeah, it's it's even now. Well, I mean, it, it's really good CG. Okay, but. I did not like this movie. Oh, oh, oh I'm, zero, I'm zero for four, guys. Um, yeah, no, I thought this movie was boring as fuck. Like, no. I was tired. I don't know. Maybe. So, like, me trying to talk to, to Chris about Shin Godzilla. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That you was really. I have a question. I Patience, did you watch it this for the first time in the sequence of watching a lot of these movies for the podcast? Yeah. Or I sort mean, of fresh? Yeah, I was definitely cramming. Was it like two in the morning? Maybe. But I, I did watch it like the first well, the half of it. The possibility have not liked it, guys. And then, well, no. no but that's a, a typical Patience thing to do, though. Um, but I did. I watched the first half half of it and then I got up the next morning and watched the second half of it and I was just like even more bored sober um it was just <laughs> I, but 
there is one thing I did like about this movie, and it is the dynamic of the family. Like, they oh, yeah. are uh, so the entirety of the movie. cool. I absolutely love their relationship and the fact that they wake up in the morning and they get drunk and they roll around on the floor. <laughs> like, that's like me! Oh, I mean, seriously, that is Shotlos and I every day. Um, but, no, but the, the relationship and how the brothers and the sisters and they all have each other back, and, and that was one of the things that was like it when it ended I was like what what happened to the brother what happened to the sister what happened to the random homeless guy that helped everyone out with Molotov cocktails like it just I I wasn't I did not dig this movie at all a couple things I I do agree that the third act is the weakest part of this movie the very final it gets a little clunky See, and it's not great. I thought the second act because it just goes on for you fucking know, forever. It's trying to create that sense of of how do I describe it? It, it, it? That second act is trying to create that sense of hopelessness, and I think it could be interpreted it, the depending on the audience member. It could be either felt as really boring and dragging, or you could really start to feel that oppressive kind of yeah, hopeless atmosphere. Yeah, I don't have feelings. But I, just, <laughs> I mean, I just felt like it was 20 minutes too I long. Do, I, I agree. I'm kind of on the in the middle of these two things. Like, I think it does drag a little bit in the middle there, but I understand what the movie's trying to do with that point. Um, but to talk about your aspect about the family, which is the best, it's like the whole yeah, point of the movie. It's the best part. Is you even see it with the estranged daughter who's like stuck with this monster and is caring for this little boy. Because I'd rather show the family care for each other and search for her. They're showing those same, like, virtues in her. Like, she's part of that family, but separate from. Like, you can really see them as a unit, even though they're separate. Like, shit like that in the movie is just what makes me, like, love it. That's the best so part of the much, movie. Yeah. And I did like the the, char- the creature design. Plus, in the creature, well, that's, that's, all those yeah, I like how you looked at me yeah. like, I'm sorry, Matt, you clearly I'm designed sorry. this, <laughs> but I liked well, I, it. I like the creature uh, design. Otherwise, I, I was bored to tears, guys. I felt you know, like... Weirdly, the first time I saw this movie, I was like, what is all the hype? about. Uh, it's fine, but why people love this, and I don't think it's worth it that much. So when we were reviewing, I was like, well, I actually am glad to return to this because maybe I was in the right mood, and I guess I wasn't, because I love the shit out of this. The I feel exactly the same I, way. See, when, when I first chose it, it, I'm sorry, really quick, oh, uh, when well, we first chose it, I thought it was The Bay, which I really much liked. I like The uh, Bay, too. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, like, uh, oh, yeah, The Bay. Oh, that's not just... Oh, fuck. Same my same move. No, yeah. mon- no and, giant monster in the bed. <laughs> it's funny because my first screening of it was at Fantastic Fest, like nice. second or third year. And it was like a game changer for that festival in general. It was the first year they had a lot of South Korean. But I did, I definitely do have that. There's a thing like the festival bump. You're at the festival, you're having a really fun time. Everything's right. then, good at the festival. And then this movie, I have seen it plenty of times since then, and I think it holds up and it's great. But. After I got out of it that first time, I thought it was the best fucking movie I've ever seen. Because I was having like a great time at the festival, and it was so different from everything else. It was the first wave of South Korean movies yeah. that America was getting. And it was just it's such a different and a change of pace, and it was like a shock to my system. I loved it. Yeah, I my, felt like... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say... Um, the, the thing Everyone else is more important. I would, than me. Just, no, no, I just wanted to I, I, I wanted to before we got too far away from it, I wanted to make a point about um the thing that I did I felt didn't work because I I appreciated that the film is actually inspired by true events. It's a uh, there was a an incident where the American military base was discovered to have been dumping chemicals in the Han River. I had a monster was, that was like couldn't stop cussing. Obviously, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh not Tourette's. Sorry. Oh, I was, I was so I'm confused right now. I was too. That's why we're moving on. But now you get. Uh, it. I do. I do. And you realize I'm a genius. 
Sure, Chris. Everyone's going to have to rewind and listen to that again. The second time you listen to it, you'll be like, oh, that is genius. (laughs) God damn it, Chris, you son of a gun. (laughs) So, anyway. Paul is dead. Paul is dead. uh, It was based on a real life incident, children. That's. and I and I liked again. That's the that's the societal malaise thing that I'm glad they tapped into. But uh, when it gets to that that late second act, early third act twist with the Americans, it's so cartoonish and it's so like fucking weird and like out of a different movie almost. It's almost absurdist in how it's handled. I felt like I, I it takes me out of the movie a little bit. And uh, and again like. I don't know. I've seen a lot of Asian movies that present Americans as just being these fucking pieces of shit. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I'm not... So I'm used to it. But again, it's So just, you're used to more of the Japanese ones. I'm used right. to, like, more Chinese and South Korean. But, yeah, believe me, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of it. Yeah. I'm giving a random lobotomy? Come on. We got it. Yeah. That was well, stupid. But that's no worse than the... American scientists in the blob, you know, like well, but the blob. Like, so I we felt do have like an ongoing thing of like government hazmat suited people like doing terrible stuff That's because true. they have no idea what's going on or they're trying to weaponize. I think it's because it's it's a Korean film and it's got it's it's got that particular flavor to it. And then to see something that's kind of out of a B American sci fi film that just kind of just plopped in the middle of it, it feels. It feels like a gear switch that the film probably could have done something better. Uh, I will say Bong Joon-ho, the director, said, quote, It's a stretch to simplify the host as an anti-American film, sure. but there's certainly a metaphor and political commentary about the United States. Yeah, yes, fair. because it did this sort of thing. Let's this did happen. Dump yeah. all the chemicals in the river and... I mean, that actually happened. One of the things actually, the United States did that in South Korea. And feed genetically mutated dogs to. I mean, today. (laughs) (laughs) That was more about free enterprise. As they actually say on the Wikipedia, it's like, to date, there is no giant mutated monsters in South Korea because of that you know of. That to date, it says to date. It's like, okay. It's there. It's out there. (laughs) It's out there somewhere. That we know Uh, of. I really liked. I didn't like the first viewing, so we were talking about how our our first viewing was maybe like not as great as falling ones for Chris and myself. And and the first time I watched it, it was it was definitely the juxtaposition of like slapstick goofy comedy right next to like really hardcore sad stuff or scary stuff that threw me off. It's just not a style that I'm into. Rewatching it this time, man do I dig it. Yeah. Like nice. when the dude in the hazmat suit is about to make an announcement and like does a Pratt fall, slips and falls on his back, and then gets up and pretends like it didn't happen, and then makes yeah. the announcement to all the people in the thing. It's just like, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it, I, I appreciate it when movies kind of go there. I mean, one of my, I don't, I'm not going to continuously bring up Godzilla, I swear. But, uh, yeah, one sure. of, but my favorite Godzilla movie is really like that. Um, Which one is your favorite Godzilla, Godzilla You better Mothra. not say Shin Godzilla, I swear to God. No, I like Ma- Shin Godzilla. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, Godzilla, nineteen ninety nine one. Yeah, it's so funny is you think you're making a joke. And you're just making me angry. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, uh, no, it's the it's it's a it's a slightly it's it's a it's a two thousand one Godzilla movie. God, it's kind of long title, but it's just giant monsters all out attack, and it's oh, that got that. It has that tonal shift through almost the whole thing until the very ending when things get a little more serious. But it's like this dark. It basically starts out as like a dark comedy, and then it becomes as the 
crisis in, increases, it gets more serious. So I, I've appreciated that because it is something that we don't see a whole lot in here in the States. Um, but yeah, one thing I will say is, uh, uh, they announced like several years ago that they were going to do a sequel. Yeah, and they still not happened. Still not happened. And but it was going to be kind of like almost a Halloween three situation where it was going to be completely unconnected. It was just mm. going to be another monster in South Korea related to some societal problem. Give it to me. Yeah, sure. Why not? They were going to be burrowing monsters because of some controversial construction that's been going on oh, through so uh, what, Tremors Eight. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> I will. I will. I do want to say also seven, for this number, yeah. for this movie. I don't know if I was peeing. I don't know if I talked about it already. And also, I wanted to do like heavy spoiler, just in case you're listening to this. Heavy, heavy, heavy spoiler. Yeah. Well, this is okay. all spoiler. I know, but you know, someone might be like, "Oh, you know what? I'm still going to listen to it." But like, I haven't seen it. But just in case, the fact that this movie has the balls to kill the kid, dude, yeah. is incredible. Like, after I, all, you're of watching it, and you're waiting for it to go. No, that's not what happened. And which she the, literally uh, dies saving the other kid. Yeah. It's so noble and beautiful. It's like, incredible. And, and I can't believe... I mean, it does pull the punch a little bit by giving him a new child, like, right at right. the end. Um, but still, like, the whole thing of this movie with him going after this daughter, the whole thing is they're trying to find her. And in the end, she does sacrifice herself to save this child she's been caring for. But the fact that they actually kill her... Especially in this movie with these tone shifts where there's like really jokey stuff in here and dark stuff. They also kill this child, which is like kind of the linchpin of this whole movie. It's so fucking ballsy. It's crazy. Actually, I, you know, I love this kind of shit. Like, so I do appreciate the fact. I do. She does. No, I really, really do. So I actually appreciated the fact that they killed the kid. And that was one of the better points of the movie is because you really are invested in her. And then. They just straight up were like, nope, she did. Well, she gets to be a hero like the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. but the rest I mean, of the, everybody in the family gets to be a her have a heroic. She gets moment. to save that child. We're like, yeah, but but it's I mean, surprising. they could have easily done like you know a you know Western compromise and like saved her and the little boy. What's odd about yeah. it is that the movie spends a lot because like when she gets carried away, you're like, well, that's it for that shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you're like, wow, she's in a lot of the rest of the film from her point of view. Like, and for them to go, well, you, well, you really got to know this character. She's the second main character. Care for her, be, uh, and for them to do that, it's like, wow, that's heavy stuff, guys. That yeah. was that was, but it's such a noble death that you're yeah. like, okay, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I also like that sure. the sure. the boy that she was taking care of that the dad adopts essentially at the end, yeah, yeah. is essentially. Performing the same role as the daughter, which is taking care of this completely <laughs> useless dad. Well, he's like, true. let's turn off the TV so we can focus on eating. You know, like, it's, yeah. Well, let's move to our next film, oh, which yes. is yeah, we should probably Troll yeah, Hunter. Yes, bitch. Is this one of the ones you like the best? <laughs> oh, I love this movie so much, and um, it's so almost I'm, as good as Phantoms. Uh, <laughs> almost. Oh, uh, so Not close. Quite as good as so games. close. I love every podcast. Patients will mention some other movie that That's like, everyone else thinks lock it on it. <laughs> and then she says that it's better than one of the movies, and it's the whole episode of this is like I cannot get it out of my head. <laughs> like Phantoms is locked in. I am to please. That's so funny. Uh, so Troll Hunter is uh, first of all, this movie is it's Norwegian, yeah. um, two thousand ten like, found footage, like a uh, mockumentary style movie, right? Um, uh, mockumentary, I don't know if I'd call it necessarily that. Wikipedia it's, does. 
It does? Yeah. Well, it shouldn't because it's not like it a, does have it's a, not a spoof on documentaries. But it does have it's a comedic like, tone. But it does have a comedic tone. But, no, I mean, a, a mockumentary has just become documentary that's a comedy. Oh, yeah, right. I guess so, yeah. But I don't think yeah. this was The good. term is used. Used loosely. Yeah. You think it's a comedy? No. Uh, I, I would find this very okay, comedic. So, see, this in is- fact, I can double down on that. Every single actor in here who's not one of the kids is a super well-known Norwegian comedian. Oh, wow. Awesome. And I think That's they're, really I think they're all friends. They're, they're all, I would not consider they're this all very famous comedians in Norway. Okay, I mean, so this, this is, is, like best this in is show. actually a, a thing for me because the first time I saw this, I saw this all by myself. And um, I thought it was the funniest shit I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then I rewatched it, and I was telling Shotlos, I was like, because he never watches these kind of movies, but I was like, you're going to watch Troll Hunter with me whether you <laughs> like it or not. And it's hilarious. You're going to fucking love it. And then we watched it, and I was like, oh, this isn't as funny as I remember it being. It's, like, it's so funny, you guys. You know, you're, you're talking about it being funny. I never thought of it as a comedy because no, it's so... Again, it has those comedic elements, yeah. but it's so brutal and visceral in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many of errors I, 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 I guess see you could say. It, I, I, this is another one that I first saw at Fantastic Fest. I think the year after, two years after The Host, I forget when it played. Okay. But it it's was another... 2010. 2010. So that'll be four years after The Host. Maybe I'm not sure if The Host... I, I, I'm not sure because like 2006 made but I don't know if yeah, when it came to exactly, America who exactly. knows all I know is I saw it in a theater full of people and there was a lot of laughs but again this is just a festival movie a lot of people were reeling up and I think of it as like a comedic bent like a horror with a comedic bent well I think it's because that so many elements of this movie are just witty yeah, yeah it's, that's, very, it's I, incredibly clever and well put, I think yeah. that's why it's, it has some comedic elements so to Talk about the plot for anybody who hasn't seen Troll Hunter. You're, you should probably go out and see Troll Hunter right now. It's on Shutter. Shutter, yes. Um, and if you don't have Shutter, you should. You should because it's five dollars a month and it's amazing. But basically, it's this uh, group from a community college or a college. They're filming these bear attacks. Yeah, they're doing yeah. like a documentary investigation on these bear attacks. Um, yes. What's a bear? Uh, what's Quote unquote. These. What's it called when you kill animals out of season? Oh, poaching. Yes. Yeah. They're looking for a bear poacher. Yeah, for a bear oh, poacher. Yes, poacher. And they come across Hans. Is it was Hans, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they think he's like this bear poacher. And so they start tracking him and following him. And they're... Because he has all of these weird, like, things where he, like, goes out at night and he sleeps all day. And he... Stop talking about me. <laughs> no, I was actually talking about Shotless. Um, but no. Uh, so he goes out all night, he sleeps all day, and they're just like, who is this guy? And then finally Hans is like, yeah, I, I hunt trolls. Well, he he says it more eloquently as, trolls! <laughs> he's running out of the woods. And yeah. he, and like, okay, so, troll? and then he proceeds to do this, like, at least, I felt like a four or five minute rant about how he doesn't appreciate his benefits in Norway, and I'm like, try living in America, you yeah. son of a bitch. I try, do. try being a monster hunter employed by the American government. Yeah, yeah, that is way worse. That is one of the moments that definitely is more comedy when they're just like, so why are you letting us do this? He's like, I'm this so job sucks, sucks, man. This job sucks, and I don't get any benefits or health care. Where I'm like, how do you guys not see this as flat out a comedy? Like it's constantly that. So like, we, we this totally is have a this conversation this is while a, European. The, well, it's a shame. It's a shameless <laughs> like 
like comment on like, bad <laughs> government jobs, like, and wonderful... he's so like it's all so banal to this character. It, it, it's character. got that. It's got that kind of uh, that Hellboy quality of like it's you're a monster. You have this fantastical thing that you do, but you're treating it like being a plumber. Yeah, your right. job's really yeah. mundane. You're yeah. hunting well, trolls, but like also for this that sucks. one point where he clearly has PTSD because well, he was like, I went into the field. The Jaws and, moment. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, and I it was a massacre. I killed babies and newborns and all and pregnant women. And you're just and there's like, something actually. I'm glad you brought that trolls. scene up because I think that's one of the cool parts about this is our troll hunter isn't opposed to trolls. Like he has to do this, and it's necessary for the safety of people. But he actually like he sees them as a fully fledged species, right? And so, like that massacre that he describes, really tells you something about what he he dislikes about his whether job. or not this is the wrong way of going about dealing with this issue, right. which is the definitely humanizes him, and also that actor in particular, Otto Jesperson, is very well known specifically for being a caustic political comic, oh, like nice. one of those guys okay. who's so controversial that like he's even done jail time for things he oh, said. Oh wow! Apparently, and I do like, want to backtrack a little bit. This is directed by Andre. There's a question mark in his name. I, 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 I can handle any sort of accent <laughs> mark expect, except for when they the put a slash through an O. It's some kind of Ikea cabinet. That's um, all I know. But he also directed Autopsy of Jane Doe, which, which is, is fucking amazing. Amazing. Which is hands down one of the best films of 2016. Uh, possession of Hannah Grace on Digital Noise last week, and which is just okay, but I'm worried that people who saw that because it had a wider release won't watch The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which is basically the same plot, but a billion times better. Nice. So anyway, I got that out of the way. Go, Go ahead, Matt. Uh, no, no, I was just going to say, like, one of the things I just appreciated uh, as a Monster fan was the, the raw variety in the trolls and, like, how much yeah. fun they clearly had with... Uh, you know, the ones that have multiple heads and the ones that have all these different bodies. There's, a, there's the bridge troll that's only got one arm. And I also liked, again, it does play into the comedy aspect of it a lot, where it's clear that they just went out to a field that happened to have a bunch of rocks sitting around. They're <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is where there's a troll battle here. Right. And it feels like if we hadn't already seen trolls by this point, I would have been like, this is like one of those bullshit uh, tour guides who takes you around mm-hmm. and is like, oh yeah, if you can see here, this is where, this is a Bigfoot droppings, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, um, that was is that not a deer? <laughs> that was definitely a problem in, I think, the second part of the second act, where they started using like just stuff that existed and being like, oh, these aren't like fucking power lines, they're... Uh, they they like, they break troll barriers, <laughs> right. yeah. See, it's I like, actually all right. thought that was one of the strongest things about the film, is because I like, they I thought take, it was very cute. They I like take the fairy tale, the fairy tale aspects, and then they put them in this real world concept, and so we have, you know, like... You know, char- you know, rocks being bait. Uh, we have, you know, the used tires, like, because trolls like to gnaw on used tires. Those are the tires. details and, are amazing. Yeah, and one of the best usages of that leads to one of the scariest parts of the movie is smelling the blood of a Christian man. Oh! Which is, like, yes. it's so, it's used Christians. so well which, in this movie. Also, which, which you idiot, why'd you go in there if you knew you believe in God, you dummy? Well, which because Christians think that God's gonna protect them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, in this particular case, it was the guy who was like, 
like, because obviously this is bullshit. Right. No such thing as troll. But it also led us into one of the best jokes in the entire movie. I am, but that's fine. No, that's fine. I love you guys. I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm not. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. So the blood of a Christian man thing led us into one of my favorite jokes of the whole movie, where our Christian cameraman gets killed. It's replaced by a Muslim. A Muslim, yeah, and she's totally fine. So, like, the guy asks, "Is that an issue?" I don't know. He's like, "I honestly don't know." (laughs) We're gonna find out. Oh, so actually, I actually have something to say about this because he does make a point. He, um, the if you notice, the cleaners are Arab and Muslim people. So the cleaners that come in with the fake bears or clean up the whole like mess or with the troll underneath the bridge and stuff, they're all like Arab Muslims. It's a very interesting. Point. I don't know I don't if you all I, picked up. I didn't pick up on yeah. that. Either. Yeah, they're yeah. all like Arab Muslim type. It's a little. I like that. It's a little, little. A little, yeah. Detail. And that's one of the things I loved about this movie is because it's so subtle. It, it's not like in your face, like the host, or it, ah! <laughs> or you know, this is just a subtle. You just like to double down on being and wrong. I like- <laughs> and. <laughs> I, also, Sorry. this movie is beautiful. I just it really it, holds up isn't it really a gorgeous well. Gorgeous scenery. I know it's the same scenery over and over. Oh, and yeah, over but again, the, like the, the country's a special yeah. effect. It is, yeah. But with the with the found footage, handheld camera thing, like I didn't, I never once. I've seen this movie three times. I think I've never appreciated the scenery really because oh, really? it's so shaky. I mean, the other moments were like, but like I'm not a big scenery guy. Like I get it. Trees, yeah, trees, yeah, rocks, trees, I get fucking it. splinter of nature, world, eat my ass. But it's, uh, it's not like this has incredible cinematography to show this off. the shit all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's what made it more impressive to me, is that the scenery is so amazing, the cinematography almost didn't matter. Like, you but can just I point actually, your camera at anything I around there. Yeah. Like, a bit, wow, uh, it was a little too shaky for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, I tend to agree with that for most found yeah, films, and, and we'll get yeah. into that more and with this, Cloverfield. Oh, but, but I will say, like, the monster designs here... They're just, they're both scary and kind of adorably charming. Yeah, well, yeah because they have that big-headed, big-limbed, like, lumbering yeah. goofiness. Especially the three-headed one. I was like, oh, I totally want a stuffed animal. <laughs> oh, My yeah. understanding is these are actually based on, like, real sort of folklorist troll Absolutely. types that exist. Right, yeah. that's Norway's big reasons. thing, is uh, trolls and frozen. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and cheap furniture. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, and, and they were smart, like... If you're doing found footage, trolls only come out at night. Yeah. Easier to do that. Easy. Yeah, exactly. Trolls come out. <laughs> yeah. Trolls come out at night, and they're hurt by strobe lights, so yeah. like you don't have to see them moving that. I love that thing where he's got like a strobe light it's gun. Super I'm just like, that's awesome. What a neat idea. And it's also a great way to make like a CG troll look convincing, right? Because you only like, see it in flashes. It's yeah. the, it's, yeah. What makes us unique in some ways the most is just that this is this monster we all know about, everyone knows about, but no one has ever taken that mythology and tried to tell it in a, no, it's all real sort of yeah, way, yeah. even with those rules. And, like, the idea, like, yeah, yeah, you just have to have, like, a big series of strobe lights to take the shit out, and it's like, yeah, just turn and it's, it And it does and it wisely, where it does make it scary, but they also kind of wink at it, that it's kind of silly, so yeah, it's funny. Sure. But, but there also, are moments of true, like, horror in it, the scary stuff in the movie. And they also use science. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, yeah, they have a, cal- you know, a calcium vitamin D deficiency kind of... It, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of got a stupid, bit of a Ghostbusters vibe in that way, but, where. But it's fun, yeah. It's the way like you sprinkle enough things that kind of sound smart. You make it scary enough. 
you wink at it to know it's kind of silly enough, and you get this formula that really works as a convincing yeah. docu- mockumentary, whatever you have. Whatever, like, it makes it throughout. Like, it's a very charming movie that moves quickly. Like, um, yeah, it, it's really good. For the record, the prime minister at the end of the film, that's actually the prime minister. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah is that I, from news footage with yeah, the they, they subtitles? They carefully edited it, yeah. and yeah. they did a great job. When you're watching it, you're like, oh, wow, this really feels like he's acknowledging the existence of trolls, <laughs> but it's edited footage. But I, that is so, actually yeah. the, that, the that's, prime minister. Yeah, if you have any doubts about this movie being a comedy, like the fact sure. that it ends with the prime minister be like, well, you know, we... Have trolls here, so we need more power lines. <laughs> the guy's like, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Because yeah. we have trolls. Yeah. Yeah, the, the guy going like, what did he just say? The only thing, the only thing that I, uh, the only, really, the only thing that I would count personally as a detraction from this movie that honestly knocked it down a peg or two for me was that the ending. <sighs> Kind of feels like a cop out. Like it feels like it has to have. It felt like someone said, "Well, I mean, the thing to do with these found footage movies, since it's like you know, this to is have the them only- all die. Oh, the well, not even all die. It's just the. It's just like it just has to end abruptly. Yeah. So fucking Florgenborgen, he he walks <laughs> off into the sunset, so to speak, and you realize we're like ten minutes from uh, like racism against uh, more people from Norway you're being like okay, thing, right? It's impossible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's impossible. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but but the point is that it it felt a little awkward and forced for it to just be like he just walks off, and then I guess those poor teenagers are in a cell somewhere getting their genitals electrocuted every third well, day. By yeah. the TSS, and the what's, troll, <laughs> troll security service. service. But that's, the way you're describing is the problem that I have with almost all found footage movies. Right. The way this movie begins and ends fucking sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. Everything in the middle, like, the thing you're doing, but, like, how do you end a movie like this if you're doing the found footage route? Like, they were never seen from again. It's like, oh, whatever. I I so much prefer found footage movies that are, like, look, it's just a technique of telling a story and we don't feel like we have to as if anyone give found me, this Give one. me no pre-script or post-script. No. Just start just movie, in the movie. Yeah, like, like the Rat films, which I think are the highest example of found footage Yeah, films, just do that sort of like... Go to black No, it's credits. just the way we shot it that, like, this is the idea. It was camera, but there's no plot element of, like, and then we analyzed the footage, and wow, I wonder what happened to yeah, these people. Right, it's like, like, maybe like, no, just fuck that. Just acknowledge it's an aesthetic, and that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's and done. Like, yeah. Anyway, on. believe it or not... We're going to have to have three episodes oh on Giant Monsters. Oh, my God. Holy shit. We have three, three more movies. Matt Frank here. It's yeah. just, it's no. It expands a little. Chatterbox, this is good. So. These are good we movies. All are. Mm-hmm. But, but they are. I, lots I mean, to say. And our, our next three movies are going to be Tremors, Cloverfield, and Colossal. And you better believe we've got a lot of stuff to say about those. Uh, yes. But we'll be back in another week with more Giant Monsters featuring Matt Frank as our special guest. Yay! I'm here. <laughs>